From the PSIA AASI Safer at Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, and welcome to part two of our Tea Talks podcasts. Stacy Garish, thanks very much for having us on again. Thanks for joining us, George. Now, our chat about family privates really leads right into this next uh, topic that we're going to be discussing, and uh, that's about teaching splits. And Jacob Hancock, I, I felt like you had a really good uh, comment that we should go over. Yeah, it um, it kind of my comment now that I look at it kind of looks more like a list. <laughs> um, but thank you, George, for joining us. Of course, uh, sorry I didn't mention that before. But um, I I think uh, um, you know the big thing is, is 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 the flexibility that can be offered in a private versus that group lesson. Now I still I still promote group lessons. Like I might send I might tell them midday or 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 you know at the end of the day, you know, hey so-and-so might want to consider a group lessons, or this is the reason why you might like group lessons. You'll meet people, et cetera, et cetera. But some people, sometimes families show up to the resort thinking, oh, we're all going to ski together, even though we've never skied together, even though we, uh, we, we, we have two disciplines. We want some of us want to learn to snowboard and others want to learn to ski. Um, I think managing the split, um, one of the valuable tools is, uh, is, is, of course, that initial conversation to discuss kind of how the dynamics are going to work. Um, should we send so-and-so and so-and-so away and have them come back? Um, you know, most of the time we can't do the, the, the simple follow the leader um, thing. We, we sometimes can send people down the hill um, and then give individual feedback based on that. Um, looking for tasks that work um, with multi-levels, multi-discipline in the beginner terrain that the lowest level student can handle um, is, is probably a, a really important tool as well. And that I really wanted to get into the creative aspect of teaching a split because it's a challenge and when you do it right, it's amazing. Wouldn't you agree, Stacy? I mean, you've got a first time itty bitty and you've got an experienced parent and when you can work in some very technical skills on beginner terrain that are difficult for that advanced skier to do, it's really rewarding for them as well. Yeah, I totally agree. It takes a very skillful instructor, I, I believe, to uh, hit the mark on that um, lesson that has a variety of ability levels. And I'd love to get some comments and input from uh, our group. but. Um, Stacy, while we're waiting for that, um, how do we, again, as professionals, handle that? And um, you know, I know a lot of that will happen in a family private where it's like, yeah, we've got our young one. I really want you to just focus on this person, but we really want to teach everybody who signed up for that lesson. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to call on somebody on the that's on the tea talk tonight because um, this person just gave a great indoor clinic on this topic. And I wonder if he'd be willing to share some of his thoughts around this. Scott Burrell? Yes, I, I think that in any group, there's going to be a split. And as professionals, it's our job to manage that. But you can use that as an advantage for you. I mean, we're teaching skills, not speed. So hopefully, the skills are within a certain zone. But you can teach leg rotation to a level three who's working on their wedge turns, their parent might be working on the basic parallel turn at level five, but they can still set a similar turn shape for their child to go down and 
and have something to follow, for example. Or if you've got some kids that are, you know, one is doing too straight a turn shape and one's doing too ra- uh, a very round turn shape, pair them up and they can use that to help each other and find that good middle ground. Excellent point, Scott. Thank you for that. And Brian, uh, looks like you've got a comment for us. Um, yeah, it, it, this uh, this season has been, I think, unique for a lot of us. Uh, I know I'm teaching very different people than I normally teach. Like Donnie was talking about skiing with clients for 20 years. But uh, this year, a lot of people have been coming to Beaver Creek that have not been here before. It's uh, it's it's interesting. And the splits, like in, in group lessons, a lot of times in our presentation of information, how we communicate with the guests, um, how we share information, we sometimes, or even our, our approach and attitude, we sometimes create our own splits. But in the private lessons, especially some of them that I've seen this year, um, I mean, uh, Jacob alluded it, uh, did actually directly said it, is that we're getting a huge variety of abilities in one lesson in these uh, uh, privates. Uh, uh, I've already done two family privates where I'm with a snowboarder, as well as four other skiers in the family. And uh, the parents thought the snowboarder was really good, but couldn't even come close to keeping up with the rest of the people in the family. It's an interesting challenge. Um, It's been harder this year partly because so many of the people have not been here before. Um, whereas Bruce mentioned earlier about dividing people up into blocks of time. Well, that's easy when you know we're going to be together for multiple days, but a lot of times these family or these uh, multi-level, multi-discipline privates are one day and that's all they're going to do, period. That's all they're going to do. And so it is really um, sometimes a, a, an exciting, fun challenge, but it can also be really annoying. It's just like, who in the world would have put this group together? And uh, um, because, uh, I mean, I, I did one the other day. First time skier, two level three skiers, and a level five skier. And they had no intention of splitting up. And I, I, I've got a few people on my screen and I can see nods like, yeah, I, I've had that too this year. And, uh, you know, with a lot of our regular clients, that's really easy to work with. And they're going, sure, just take them for a couple hours and, and then we'll all meet for lunch and then we'll do a couple runs together and, and, that's, and that's the day. But this year, it's been quite a, an exciting challenge of um, these people want to stay together, period. <laughs> and... Uh, trying to keep them all entertained, like Scott was saying, and, and focusing on um, similar skills and trying to empower somebody at least enough. Can, can you lead down to the, down to the chairlift and maybe do a lap or two? Well, I work with uh, our first time skier and see if we can at least get a lap in. And uh, um, so far I have to say it's been successful. But it has been, and I think everybody in this room is uh, seeing that exceptional challenges because a lot of them is our first, their first time at Beaver Creek and try and 
trying to create lifelong skiers out of them and having them return to Beaver Creek has, has been uh, de definitely, and I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because it's been working, but yet there's been a couple that is just like, oh my God, I, I, I hope they like that. <laughs> I guess the thing for me with the split, I'm really, I, I've been in that position enough where I'm the worst in the group and you know you're the worst in the group and we want to try to keep that group together and give the other people who maybe are a little more skilled some more challenges while we're still in the same area and doing the same type of thing but add the difficulty level for them and i really love when we're able to keep a group together and you just build that sense of a team or family within that group and everyone's supporting each other and instead of making the person who's uh, not at the highest skill level feel even worse, we're really giving them a chance for success. George, Absolutely. The hardest, part of, uh, the hardest part of that, though, is when you have the first-time skier and then you have the higher abilities. That's, that's where the challenge really comes in. Um, when you have the multi-levels of three, five, six, that, that's a much easier challenge, but the first time skier and trying to keep the whole group together when you've got threes and fives, that, that creates a whole other aspect to it. Stacy? Okay. Stacy, you uh, George, I was just going to add to that what you said. I thought it was a really important comment off of what Brian said. Brian, thanks for what you added. Um, I, most of you, if not all of you, have participated in a training clinic. And I think um, one of the best ways to get perspective towards our students is to put ourselves in their own shoes. And I just wanna highlight what Brian and, and George were just talking about. And that is that if you participate in a clinic, whether it's a clinic at your home resort or a clinic with the division with PSA, ASI, and you've been most of, most of the time, those groups are split and they might be split based off of knowledge level. They might be split based off of ability. Um, it might just be the day. Some people are more tired than others, right? And if you've ever been that person that's sort of what you would consider at the lower end, whether it's the lower end in ability or the lower end in knowledge, um, how did that trainer get that group of people to be more as a team? And so that whoever's on that lower side of ability or knowledge feels like they are still an important part of that team. And that's what we need to do as instructors when we have these splits. Um, we need to make sure that every person in that group feels equally as valued and important. And Susan, uh, I like what you said about uh, splits aren't necessarily based on skill level. It can be based on the desire and difficulty of terrain they want to ski. Could you add to that, Susan? Well, I've had classes where um, I'm moving away from the family private because I don't do a lot of them. Um, where I, I teach kids and I'll have kids where they've just gone up the mountain for the first time, but others have been up there. They want to go down a blue run. The, the first time, the, the ones that have just gone up there ha don't want to do it. They're scared. Or maybe I'm teaching them whirly birds and uh, going backwards is so scary. Um, others are, they're raring to go and they're pushing, they're pushing it and they're pushing it. And so what happens, I think this is kind of what Brian was talking about. You create your own split. They get further and further apart because the task or the, the thing that you're doing with them um, get 
some of them get really into it and others just are so scarce. You have to figure out how to bring them back together. Going back to the, to the family private though, if you can get the kids to learn something and then have them teach their parents, even if the parents already know how to do it, then you know you learn something, then you teach something, and then you know it better. So it's kind of fun to watch the kids teach their parents something, and suddenly they know how to do it better than they ever did. And Laura, Laura, I'd love for you to chime in about uh, the confidence level. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm a newer instructor, so I'm mostly uh, really enjoying learning from all my peers. But I have definitely seen that plays a huge factor in what people can do and also what they tell you they can do. Um, sometimes people will shy off from a certain skill, and then after they practice it a few times, you realize it wasn't actually the practice that was getting them there. It's just the confidence that they're building up, whether that's in doing it themselves or in watching other people do it. And Margaret, tell us a little about reciprocal teaching. Yeah, I think that a split in any format, whether it's a group lesson or um, a family lesson, when we spin through our teaching styles and try to decide what might work best for a group that is split or is about to split, reciprocal teaching, I think, works the best where you can start to pair people off either, either at the same level or actually at different levels so they can teach one another. And then you can cycle through each of those sort of mini splits and help coach them through that. Uh, that gives the team, to Laura's point, um, a lot of confidence in what they're doing and also allows people to uh, be able to repeat what they've already learned and learn even more just by teaching somebody else. And Bobby, I see you made a comment about blocks of time and how those can work, uh, even if it's a one day private. And Bobby might be having trouble with mute again. <laughs> Brian, would you like to uh, kick in with your comment about Maslow's? Uh, hi, I'm going to defer to June on this one. So I was thinking about um, all the discussion around how these families want to really stay together. And, you know, you, you think of Maslow's level, levels and how the security and safety that they feel by staying together as a group and then the belonging that supersedes everything. Um, I just really think that, especially on those mixtures of families, that um, some of the higher level skills that a a great instructor can pick out, you know, I took a clinic last week, was doing some new skills for myself that I hadn't practiced. Um, the, the whole last week, I've been working on them on pretty easy terrain, you know, green and blue terrain. And I've been perfecting the skills that were hard for me initially. And so I think that, you know, even if I was with other people in my family working on it, I think it's just very valuable time, you know, to work on higher level skills for a more experienced skier on easier terrain and really get those perfected. And Linda Gret, I think that ties into your comment about managing expectations. I think it's easy to find out what people's expectations are, but how do we manage those? Hi, George. Hi, Linda. Great, Great hearing from you and being part of this. Um, I think 
managing expectations is kind of twofold. It's first of all, managing our own expectations. And I think that a lot of times, you know, we, we show up or we read on the computer or something that we have family private and it's kind of a mixture of stuff. And um, our maybe our immediate reaction is, oh God. Um, but it's also, it's, it's really kind of getting a picture of what we have or we might have, and then walking out there with, out having an expectation from our end uh, so that, and really kind of tapping into what the family's expectation is or the different members in the family, what level they are um, and talking to each individual person, like what do they want from it? You know, some, you know, the kids may say just fun. Uh, the adults may just say, I just want my kid to have fun, you know? So, but on the same, on the same side, finding out that they might want a little bit more for, for themselves as well. And so I think it's just really communication, obviously, is always the key. But I think a lot of times we get our own expectations in the way um, and not really dealing with, uh, with the, the guests themselves. So we really need to, to be present at the moment. And those expectations could change, as we all know. Um, so, you know, once you're in the trust of the, the group and uh, connect with all of the members, then you realize you can tie all this together and everybody will have a great time. And Lori Wilkie, would you like to add on to that about goals assessment? Lori? Well, actually, it's Gary. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of these type of lessons. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're encouraged, obviously, to, um, you know, create a relationship with our, with our clients. And in that process of finding out just exactly what it is that the parents want to do on this particular lesson and where the kids are as well. And, you know, I think if you can ferret out a couple of goals that really make sense with them, then you can, then you can move from uh, goals to, you know, working skills. And you can do skills from a lot of different perspectives. And, and, I, and I like the one that we talked about earlier uh, this year, and that is an external focus versus an internal focus. Now, that may allow you to work with a parent who wants to know how this works and they want to know what I have to do. And the children take a completely different you know, perspective working on the same skills, but from an external uh, focus, more like what's the shape, what's the sound, you know, that, that type of thing. So um, this takes a very skillful, I think that was said earlier, <laughs> this is a real challenge. And uh, the first time that I got one like this, I, I don't think I did that well, but, you know, I think what you do is you learn from each one of your experiences. And uh, I don't know, maybe my comments might, uh, might be useful because you kind of segue through these things uh, for each individual. You might be working on the same skill, but take a, a little different approach in terms of your presentation or, ex, you know, explaining your expectations to a child versus the adult, but yet you're working on the same skill sets. And Jillian, anyway, that's my opinion. Thank you, Gary. And Jillian, I like that you brought up that splits are common. We should expect them, but as a group, we really are a team. Can you expound on that a little bit more? Sure. So in a, in a family or, or a group lesson, uh, I think, you know, speaking to Maslow's is the, you know, the sense of belonging is that we, um, we're all skiing together. We're not individuals. Yes, we all have individual needs and goals and thoughts, but the fact that of the matter is we're spending the day together in this shared activity 
And um, our, our common goal should be that we all have a blast, that we're all safe, and that we all experience successes. And when all of those things happen together, we should collectively, as a team, cheer on all of those individual successes and likewise encourage and support when somebody is frustrated when somebody on the team is not experiencing success at their particular task but encouragement is important and um we're stronger as a team period across the board and communicating that to uh, a group of um separate individuals brings in um, a cohesive goal for the day. Thank you. And Russ, did you have anything to add? Yeah, it's something not to forget, I think, for all of us is that there's an advantage to having splits in a family private versus a conventional group lesson. And that is that in every family private, the world's leading experts at managing splits in that group are the parents. They're right there. So if you think about every conversation you have, at lunch about what kids will eat what and how and with what and when and how to manage the competing personalities of, um, you know, ages and, you know, where siblings stand in age or like the parents are the experts. So um, if you know that in advance and you can have a conversation with the parents before everything kicks off about um, how the kids interact and what guidance they can give you about their preferences for learning styles or what have you. It's a huge advantage and it sets you up at the outset to make clear that you're the expert at, at managing all these competing interests and competing personalities. And with a little bit of help from them, it can be a success. They do this every time they choose a movie on TV or, or have a meal in a restaurant. So there's no reason they can't do that for you in a lesson. Stacy, Ryan, anything uh, the two of you would like to add in conclusion? I know it can be extremely difficult when you, you open up your schedule and you see that next stability, that private, and you know that you're going to be starting off um, maybe from behind, but coming out of the locker room with that negative mindset about the last time you had an experience like this, um, you know, can really hinder um, the outcome of that lesson that you're about ready to take on. Um, and, you know, go into it with an open mind and, and like sort of what Russ was talking about, you know, have that conversation with the parents and with the, with the family about, what they're looking to get out of it or how they manage it when it comes to choosing a restaurant or a movie or anything like that. And you can definitely um, save yourself a lot of trouble and come into it with a more positive mindset. Um, and it, it is tough. It is tough, but you know, that is the family's goal is to stay together and sort of what Stacy mentioned off at the beginning is sometimes um, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And um, maybe five, 10 minutes into the lesson, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, they, they come to that realization that, oh, this might not work. And then things start um, becoming easier from there once the knowledge is starting to come to them, what they didn't know originally. So that's all I want. Thanks, Ryan. I love that. Um, I think it's so important, the stories that we tell ourselves, and Ryan just brought that point up and um, we can change the story that we tell ourselves. And so choose choose a story that's going to set you up for success. And um, Russ's point was really great, too, to remember that as a family, they they operate this way frequently. It's not just in the ski lesson. 
Um, so utilize the tools that we have and look at it as an opportunity. Um, George, I thought this was a really awesome topic. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing this topic to the conversation. Well, thank you very much. It really has been an honor to be a part of a tea talk and uh, I mean that very seriously. And to hear from so many experienced instructors that this is difficult to work with, I think really gives us uh, a lot of hope and confidence in ourselves that, you know, we can do this. But yes, it is a lot of work and it's it's a tough thing that we have to uh, deal with this year and throughout our careers. So I really appreciate everybody taking the time to join in and uh, give us some great comments on this topic. And from the PSIA AASI Safer at Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to First Chair.